G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I started a number of not-for-profits. There's one now still operating in America called Inside Out Global, and um, it just takes, with permission by uh, police or courts that are involved with helping people through their traumas, to do a boot camp in film making. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Gavin Bolch, who had his childhood stolen from him when he was abused for several years, starting when he was only seven years old. And he literally went mute as a response to the trauma. However, as we heard last time, the Lord eventually helped Gavin find his voice and begin down a road to recovery. Today, we'll hear how God restored Gavin's childhood as an adult through a renewed awareness of creativity and imagination. Also, we'll hear how Gavin helps others find their voice through film and other visual means. That's all coming up today as Gavin shares more of his story. And parents, before we get started, I just want to remind you that due to the adult themes that will be discussed, today's program is not appropriate for young listeners. Once again, Gavin is chatting with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Gavin Bulch, welcome back to the program. Great to be back, Eric. Glad to have you with us. And so, as we heard last time, sadly, we heard how at seven years old, there were two pedophiles who were boarders on your parents' property and had abused you for a period of five years. Yes. But we did hear that you went to a Billy Graham crusade and learned that Jesus is your friend, something that you know still to this day, how many years later, and also that... Yeah, there's a, there's a, a cleansing and removal of shame. And that's exactly what a young 12-year-old Gavin needed to hear about cleansing, particularly after what you had been through. And you went forward and became a Christian at that Billy Graham crusade at 12 years old. And also we heard how in your life, because of everything you've gone through, you're very compassionate to others who've gone through trauma as well. So as we just heard in the introduction, childhood was stolen, which is, of course, terrible but god has a way of working through the terrible experiences the pain the agony that we've gone through and he restored your childhood yes how did he do that well i'll say two things first one um as a child i thought as a child and then i've grown up and i look back on those years with understanding that comes through life's experience the university of life which is just living day to day uh, with its ups and downs, and um, the realization that it is a true statement that this Jesus is a redeemer of time. He uses time, and he uses experience, and and he he says, and this is true, and I speak to it as as a truth, that um, all that happened, though it was trauma, it now becomes something for good. It's an interesting dichotomy, an interesting unpackaging, uh, but it's true because I learned things 
and became aware of, of that in others' lives. And because Jesus revealed what compassion was mm-hmm. and worked through this trauma, I'm equipped in some way to A, live with myself, mm-hmm. to have enormous gratitude for, over time, uh, what's been restored and renewed. And this thought, my childhood was returned, came again through a, a traumatic illness or which was, um, I had allergic reactions, anaphy- anaphylactic reactions to unknown substances for a number of years back in the 1990s. And uh, 1995, 96, um, I was uh, again in, in the Royal Melbourne Hospital with uh, various drugs to try and enable the, 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 the swelling around the throat to to subside. But I had breathed out, right? And I can't breathe in. I know this. And in, in a moment of parts of a second, it's like it was such a strong thought. Um, maybe one of those voices in your head and, and, and it, it said, uh, do you trust me? And it's like, we're talking split second here, and my response was, oh, "Well, gosh, if if that's if that's you, Jesus, God, um, uh, yes, I, I think I have." Again, time's going very quickly here, and then there seemed to be a response that said something like this: "Will you trust me for the next breath?" And again, there's a part of a fraction of a second between a response and my response was, "Yes, I think I can," and then I <gasps> I breathed in. And so I'd overcome that moment where I was aware that if breath is life, I'd run out of it. Whatever the doctors were planning to do, that's not, I don't know what they were planning to do. I know where I was. Mm -hmm. And I responded and I breathed back in, right? And then uh, another thought was Psalm 71. And it's like, oh, yeah, right, I'm not not really good at remembering what's in in these different books in the Bible, though I'd read it as a child, you know, and read it over the years. Um, when you're dyslexic, you don't necessarily have a good memory. I didn't. Anyway, when I found a Gideon's Bible next to the table when I'd settled down in the hospital, I read the psalm, and it um, it was my life, and it's still unpackaging verse by verse. It was such a, a, a comforting piece mm. of, of, of work. And because I was aware that I needed breath. I needed that capacity to breathe in. Um, literally. When, when asked to literally breathe yeah. in, when I came home from hospital, everything was, was kind of newish. Like I was aware of, of, uh, um, the, uh, of nature around me. It was brighter. Oh, wow. It was, it was uh, people. So um, you had this epiphany. Well, there, there's a word I haven't even tried on Peggy, you're one of few that have said that word in in the years. Oh, does it fit? Uh, yeah, it just it, it does fit. It just this this something. So so because I'm also a visual person, that was heightened that that visual mm-hmm. uh, side. So I had been experimenting with eight millimeter film prior to that. And um, I'd experiment with some um, commercials and things. And um, I, I always had this story arc mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. And realised that if I had a story to tell, so the so the other person in, let's say through life or through a trauma or through experience of some sort, if they were able to name the pain and uh, look at what had brought them to this point, 
and then looked at, okay, let me work through this. And they tell their stories. If another young adult mm-hmm. sees that VHS or, or video as it became, and now, of course, it's on a, um, a more compact form, um, then that story can be told, like you read the stories in the Bible, and, and there is there's so much reality and truth to them that they will impact your life. So another person telling their story based on reality will impact someone else. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, now, if, I'm just trying to think this through. So you have this epiphany, suddenly the sky is more beautiful, mm-hmm. the colors are more brighter, mm-hmm. and that kind of begins your second childhood? Well, yes, because, uh, all right, uh, up, up to age seven, life was great. I was an only child, remember. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that much. And then, of course, I had no friends at all. So not only did I have no siblings, right, mm-hmm. that uh, a communication element wasn't there. And then I lost my voice, so communication mm-hmm. yeah. was was not evident at all. Mm-hmm. Um, now I was aware that telling a story, uh, giving a person without a voice a voice, which, mm-hmm. was the, which was the vehicle of media or radio mm-hmm. or, or, or TV because. Or Going back to your story, you literally lost your voice. Yes. And then you found your voice literally, but also figuratively as a survivor of sexual abuse. All right, yes. You found your voice. That's a phrase I've not actually used much before. Go on, yes. You found your voice to speak up and kind of take charge, Mm -hmm. whereas before you were more or less a victim. Yes. So you found your voice. Now, through media, you're helping others at this point find their voice. Yes. as clearly as that. Uh, and so I had the means and technology over those years, um, 80s and 90s in, in particular. Um, and well, now, what, why did you have the means? What was your background? I was always artistic. I was, I was doing oil painting. As soon as something was restored in me, even at my faith in Jesus, that this relationship with Jesus... I started to paint, and um, some of my paintings at age 12, uh, people have commented and said, no, a 12-year-old can't do this. Well, I did, mm. and it seemed to be an outlet. I wasn't aware mm-hmm. that what I think on all of us is God's thumbprint of creativity. I mean, a woman who, who in a kitchen with, with food and puts it together, it's a meal, and a guy who works on a car and puts the nuts and bolts together and it goes, and somebody does a painting or a sculpting, or a, it's creativity, mm-hmm. all right? And it's it's drawing that out of others, and also what I had, I want to give it away to others as a tool, basically. So how did you do that? Um, started a number of not-for-profits. There's one now still operating in America called uh, Inside Out Global, and um, it just takes, uh, with permission by uh, police or courts or bodies um, that are involved with helping people through their traumas to do a boot camp in film making. So we bring in people who are experts in, in, in sound and, and camera and, and uh, script writing and um, we, we embody these young adults, usually somewhere between maybe 10 of them up to maybe 25 of them. We do a boot camp. We, we teach them. It takes a couple of days for them to trust us, but they can see that we bring in professionals mm-hmm. in the industry. And so after um, five, six days, um, sometimes a bit longer, they're able to write their own story about pain. And, and some of them, if, if you work in a, uh, a crew of, say, six kids, uh, then we look through a strength test. We try to find out 
a minimum of four strengths of character, personality that they have, whereas a lot of them have been told, you're no good, um, you know, uh, your school works, you're mm-hmm. failing, you're, you're a failure, all of these kind of put down things. They're never built up, encouraged that they're of some worth. Yeah, so by having them make their story yes. in a visual form, yes, in a video, they're able to heal from their trauma? Yeah, Yes, because they're, they're, they're now talking about See, oh, often these things are repressed, A, as, mm-hmm. as, as, as a child or a young adult. You, you don't have the vocabulary. You, you've, not, you, you've gone through something, and how do you explain it to somebody mm-hmm. else who may not even believe you? And basically they put an evidence piece of themselves. Mm-hmm. And once they start naming and bringing out of themselves this pain, then now they can see a way through. Hmm. And that kind of uh, then social interaction in a, in a small group that you know you're trusting them to hmm. put the, put your part of the story because they'll mix, those six kids will mix up elements of each other's story so it's this overarching hmm. tool to encourage others to look at certain realities and and pain. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Gavin Bolch, who's the founder of Inside Out Global, an organisation which empowers students to discover their gifts and heal from trauma through filmmaking. Gavin has been involved with media and the arts for many years, conducting film workshops and teaching media classes. To find out more about Inside Out Global, you can go to their website. It's insideoutglobal.com. Once again, that's insideoutglobal.org. Next, we'll hear more of Gavin's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, our guest is once again Gavin Bolch, who has conducted many film workshops and has taught media classes at the Bible College of Victoria. Before the break, we heard how he began to teach students to make videos to tell their stories and to help them heal from various types of trauma. Now, here's more of his conversation with Eric Scatterbo. Now, did you have counsellors look through this program to see whether this is good for them psychologically? Uh, Yes. Um, We often had access to church facilities because we needed um, sleeping accommodation Mm -hmm. because they they slept over. Yes, we separated the boys and the girls and um, slept over. And so we we ate three meals a day and and worked long hours. Some of these kids would be editing, you know, in a Mm 24-hour day, filming and editing they may have spent 18 hours in wow. a day to finish this piece because they're challenged, they want to finish it. I mean, who doesn't want to finish a film with their name in the credits? Just, just, just ponder <laughs> that for a moment, yes, you know. And it's a piece of evidence, I've done this. Yeah. It may have been the first thing they'd ever completed in their lives, regardless wow. of how young or old they were. It happened a couple of times a year, maybe three times a year. Uh, people would give their time as professionals, take their their leave their annual leave just to be part of this and this was um done in uh america new zealand um australia uh albania uh 
in Africa, some of the nation states there. So this technique of teaching people how to make their story in a visual format, in a video, this had success to help people to heal from their trauma all over the world. Uh, yes, um, to what degree we'll never know. Um, for instance, we you know we have a um, each group put out a, a DVD mm-hmm. which had um, three, four, t- t- depending how many film crews stories on it, and they covered everything from th- the impact of divorce on them to, mm. to sexual abuse to um, just life situations mm. that have traumatized. May not have traumatized another person, but it traumatized mm. these kids. Yeah. Once you face it, then you're moving forward. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of clinical psychologists, I guess, will say to people, okay, let's try at some point to face this, to, to, to bring it out in the open and we'll be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's nothing much I can do. So to answer the question, how did you regain your childhood? The answer is all the above. <laughs> yes, all the above from all that preceded yeah. it. Yeah. Because in God's economy, he says, I'm the God of second chances mm-hmm. and is able to redeem and use for good mm-hmm. that which wasn't at the beginning. So with all this creativity and imagination and storytelling, you're like a kid in a candy shop. You're yeah, I am. I, I, having a second I childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and helping others yeah, and, do you it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm 76 and I play trains, but that's an interesting story. Why so the second trains? childhood continues <laughs> is what you're trying to say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, playing trains in the garden where children with autism come along and their world changes. Some of these kids begin to talk for the first time. But that's well, that's another, another story. whole topic. Another whole topic. <laughs> that you also have a heart yes. for autistic children. Yes. And th- helping them. Yeah, I think we're, we're all on the spectrum, you know, somewhere. <laughs> think about that one for a moment. <laughs> That's another whole topic, as you mentioned. But once again, you're using the tool of creativity yes. of a a train going through a countryside, mm-hmm. which you have in your backyard, yes, and using that as a tool to get them. Well, they're quite interested in getting get them, them on track. track Thank again. you for that. <laughs> Very well said, and uh, get them interested. Yes. And sometimes you've said that that's resulted in them speaking and yes. talking and kind of getting out of their shell. Totally. So yet. Yet again, another tool that your creativity has developed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started to kind of get known in the film circles that you're the guy that makes these short movies or helps people make these short videos. Because what we're going to hear is that a number of people start contacting you. Uh, Extraordinarily, start contacting you. Yes, and I'm wondering, how in the world did C.S. Lewis's stepson, out of the blue, contact you? How did he even know about you? But was it because your name kind of went through these circles of making these films? Well, that's the hardest question to answer in where did it all start and the why. Um, C.S. Lewis's stepson, um, he uh, was, was trying to make contact with me. I didn't know that. And I was sitting in a conference about missions, and uh, there was a young lady with me who turned out to be a Bolsh, a cousin. So you're somewhere. at this point. Are you a minister? 
No, no, I'm just me doing film stuff and interested in in mission. And uh, this young lass was was um, there, and we're talking. And I find out that she has the same name as me, and she's a cousin somewhere uh, on on the the tree. Never met her before. Never met her before. No. And her phone rings, right? And and um, and she's looking at me, and she says, uh, "Yes, the person sitting next to me." So she says, "Gavin, this is." This is for you. It's um, uh, someone, uh, Gresham. Uh, anyway, they're, they're looking for you. So it's a, a call from Ireland, and it's uh, a Douglas Gresham, who turns out to be the stepson of C.S. Lewis. And he says, uh, I hear you're interested in doing a C.S. Lewis conference in Melbourne. He said, I know there's one happening in, in Sydney, but uh, it's not happening in any other state. And I was teaching at the Bible College of Victoria. At the what time. were you teaching? Uh, uh, film? Uh, yes, film, how, how to use the story arc oh, okay. from, from the Bible mm-hmm. and, and, and to write stories of, of truth and, and uh, faith elements. And um, so saw the, the vice principal and said, um, can I run the C.S. Lewis here out of BCV? I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll fund it because you don't have the money and uh, I raise funds. And um, it happened. Wow. Uh, okay. So you got to know... The stepson, yes, of C.S. Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we communicated. We we were at uh, a wedding together in, in Tassie. Uh, he was associated with a uh, Dr. Ted Bear of MovieGuide.org in America, which I was on their board. Which we need to talk about as well. Yeah. So I, it was just by the grace of God, I would bump into people, right? Yeah. Who, well, I who, mean, who became significant have, others. Yeah, you have all these stories of all these people. Let's uh, move on to the person who you just mentioned, who you developed a relationship with, Ted Bear. Yes. Who is Ted Bear? Dr. Ted Bear, um, he runs movieguide.org, which for any family, um, person with family and, and children, uh, every film that's that's produced in Hollywood and as, as far afield as they can, they run a, a worldview breakdown on mm-hmm. uh, its content. And um, so, this is a good resource for Christians to young families, yeah, to learn about movies. Whether you should go to them and well, what their worldview is. What do you do? Whatever your worldview is, and, and you take mm-hmm. your family, your children to, to films, and there are some moments when you, you you really do literally put your hands over their ears or their eyes mm-hmm. because you're you're caught out. It happens yeah, so quickly. Yeah. And so a- that website once again. It's movieguide.org. So they're reviewing all films made, and so it's a tool to help the parent understand what the kid's seen. And so how did you develop this friendship with Ted? Well, I was invited to the um, Billy Graham Evangelist Conference in Amsterdam in the year 2000, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't ordained. I didn't call myself an evangelist. I kept getting... Why were you invited? Well, I'd made some little short pieces of film. Again, people heard 30 about these seconds, little... Uh... 30 seconds long, like ads, they were. Oh, okay. And uh, they saw a piece, um, so I'm told, that was uh, a, a bit of discussion uh, because the Billy Graham people made movies, right, in, yeah, in the 50s. Yeah, well, yeah. in fact, they set the stage mm-hmm. for um, media outreach through through storytelling and film. And um, I was making commercials for, for, for different moments in, in uh, you know, like starting a coffee shop where, where discussion about life would take place. So for ministries? Yes. Pro-life? Uh, yep. Spots sort of, as well? All, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And um, someone saw it. I, I got these invitations. And so I went... To Amsterdam, my wife said to me after three invitations, "Do you think, do you think 
someone's trying to say something. Do you think <laughs> God's in this? And I said, oh, honey, we, we haven't got the you know, the fair, airfare. And, and I don't know why I'm being asked. She said, well, <laughs> I think you better just go and pack your bag. You haven't even done that, you know. You're normally ahead of things, but you're way behind the eight ball on this one. Mm. So I packed my bag and then a couple of days um, the airfare came in and off I went. And uh, what was then known as God Squad or Truth and Liberation Concern gave me a um, $20 note, which was pinned inside my jacket. And I went with a round-the-world ticket because that was cheapest. And uh, I was going to knock on doors in Amsterdam churches to see if I could sleep under the pews because I couldn't afford the accommodation at this conference, mm-hmm. the evangelist conference, 10,000 people from all over the world. And I, I didn't know where to stay. And I got off the plane and I had um, deep vein thrombosis rushed to a, a oh, hospital. From the, from the plane ride? Yeah, from the plane ride. And then for the rest of the, 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 the session, I was wheeled around in a wheelchair by doctors and nurses from the Billy Graham Association who they said, we are supplying doctors to help anyone who's ill. We're not trusting you to any other hospital or, or, mm-hmm. or country's mm-hmm. medical team. We'll look after you. And I was trying to explain, look, you know, wh- wh- where do I stay? I, I can't afford a hospital. Well, they put me in a hotel room next to the conference centre. Oh, wow. And I kept trying to say, look, I, you know, I really don't have anything. But they were distracted with looking after me. So, so you um, went from thinking you were going to sleep underneath a pew yes, in I a did. church yes. to being in the accommodation right next to. Yes. Okay. okay. So the Lord's looking after and, you there. And wheelchaired around every day. Oh, wow. And so, that's where you met Ted Bear? Yes. Ted was, was having a coffee and you know, th- th- there was no one else having a coffee, but I was needing the break, literally. And I thought I'd have a coffee and I went over and said, oh, hi, how are you? We started talking and all he said was, I don't know why I'm saying this. I hardly know you, but I want you on my board. And really? It's like, it's Just like, after a little chat? Yes. Check it with him. He'll let you know. <laughs> and it's like, really? Okay, what, what, who are you? What do you do? Now, he's well-connected in Hollywood. Yes, he is. Extremely connected. Yeah. Well-connected. Well, that was part two of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Gavin Bolch, who, as we just heard, used to be on the board of a ministry in Hollywood called the Christian Film and Television Commission. They're most known for their movie reviews, which you can find at their website, which is movieguide.org, a great resource for parents to use when selecting movies to watch as a family. Once again, that website, movieguide.org. Well, earlier in today's conversation, we heard that Gavin described the pivotal role Psalm 71 played in his life. When he was struggling for breath, the Lord brought to his mind this psalm. And the remarkable thing is that it basically describes his life. It starts off, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. And that's not only true for Gavin, but for everyone who puts their faith and trust in the Lord. He is our refuge, to which we can always go. Good news for all of us. Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Gavin's story and more of the amazing places the Lord takes him, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When I went to the the Billy Graham Evangelists, conference of 10,000 evangelists from every country in the world, there was an African man there, and uh, his, his full title was Bishop Alexis Bill of Bugando. and he said, oh, 
why don't you come to Rwanda? I'll get the visas organised and you can come and, and help with what I'm doing. Uh, he and his wife and two children survived the genocide. Gavin Bolch joins us once again to share more of his story and how he helps people tell their story through film and other visual means. We'll find out the amazing places the Lord takes him next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.